Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? Of course! I'm always ready whenever we're doing another History in Retrograde. All right, let's give it a whirl! Okay, and I just want to say hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We are so happy that you're there everywhere, all over the world. And um, I just want to say thank you so much to the people who have been contacting me to do their natal charts and sinistry romance charts and uh, transit charts. It's very fun getting to know you. Yes, uh, thank you all so much uh, for listening and all the support uh, that we've been getting from uh, friends that we know, people that uh, we don't know, uh, all those uh, all around this great country and all around this wonderful world of ours. And uh, for those of you, if this is your first episode of History in Retrograde, welcome. Uh, The way that we do things here is that uh, in a moment, I will give the uh, data necessary to create an astrological birth chart of a random historical figure. Uh, Now, I, of course, know who this historical figure is because I selected the person, and uh, you, the listening audience, know because it's in the title of today's episode, but Mom, do you have any idea who we're going to be talking about today? Of course not. I never know who we're going to be talking about. I'm always in the dark. (laughs) And that's what makes such a compelling program. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I will give uh, that data necessary uh, to her. That is the birth date, time, and location of our uh, mystery history guest. She will then input that data into the back computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart, where all the planets, moons, and stars were at the moment that person was born. Uh, She will then do her uh, best to do a blind reading of this chart, uh, giving us what information
information she can about the person's personality traits, characteristics, and fortunes of this mystery history guest. I'll ask a few discussion questions and then uh, reveal to her who our mystery history guest is, uh, go over a little bit of background about the person, and then we'll come together at the end and uh, decide how accurate the chart was at uh, predicting what that person would do. Uh, so without any further ado, let us begin. Okay. Uh, this is a female. All right. Uh, born on the 23rd. All right. Of April. Okay. 1928. Ooh. Uh-huh. Nine o'clock p.m. <gasps> I'm so happy we have a birth time. So nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Nine in the evening. All right, and where? Uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. Santa Monica, California. Ooh. So again, this is a female born on the 23rd of April, 1928, 9 o'clock p.m. in Santa Monica, California. Oh, wow. Okay. Woohoo. Oh, this is, if this person is not in show business, I don't know what to say. Um, okay, so I'll just start with uh, the planets. This person has sun. Uh, I'll start with, uh, they have um, their ascendant, their first house cusp is five degrees Sagittarius. So they have Sag rising. They have sun at three degrees Taurus. Moon at 29 degrees Gemini, Mercury at 23 degrees Aries, Venus at 15 degrees Aries, Mars at 12 degrees Pisces, Jupiter at 20 degrees Aries, Saturn at 18 degrees Sagittarius, Uranus at 5 degrees Aries, Neptune at 26 degrees Leo, Pluto at 15 degrees Cancer, uh, North Node at 9 degrees Gemini, and Chiron at 5 degrees Taurus. They have Virgo on their midhaven. All right. So, hmm. I kind of want to start with this fifth house because it's so crazy, but uh, I will start with the first house. Okay, so this person has uh, their first house is Sagittarius. All right. And they have Saturn in the first house in Sagittarius. Um, people that have Sagittarius rising can come across as... So they can come across as being like really loud, um, very opinionated, uh, really freewheeling. Like they can be very confident. They don't uh, really care what other people think. They have their own opinions and that's what they're going with. They are very independent and probably have great hair. <laughs> Because they have that mane um, or interesting hair or a lot of hair. 
they would have like a longer body maybe uh and have sort of horsey features you know like um they could even like do like horse-ish behavior like how can I explain this um not necessarily like may they they could have a, a a more oval face you know uh there could be they could come across very strong and like hey if you don't like it too bad you know and but this person also has saturn in their first house which could make them appear more mature than they are more or even maybe older than they are or uh because Saturn is in Sag oh my gosh Sagittarians are so wild uh I like them a lot um let me move forward we have uh Capricorn on the second house there's no planets in that but that would make them very responsible with their money and very, uh, it should make them very responsible with money and it should make them have money. Mm, third house, cusp is Aquarius. Now, we do not have any planets in Aquarius in that third house, but we do have Mars in Pisces in that house. So Mars in the third house could make them communicative, very creative communicator and very passionate about their communications. Um, we'll come back to that. Fourth house is uh, Pisces and we have Uranus and Venus in Aries in that house. Wow. Okay, so their house was probably really fancy, I would think. Because they have Venus in the fourth house. Um, love of home, home things. But in, in Aries, which is very fiery, so also very can be very dramatic and elaborate and that also uh, applies to community and country yes and they would have a deep love for their community and country and they also have uranus there uranus conjunct venus by sign not by degree but by sign and um uranus is like futuristic um humanitarian uh, lightning striking fast. Uh, um, it would give this person an ability to go really fast um, when they're pursuing something that they love, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, okay. So that's a very strong fourth house. Very... Um, very Aquarian-y on that Uranus conjunct Venus. It makes them um, really love, I guess, like Aquarius, Uranus things, these groups of people, uh, futuristic technology, 
things like that. And then a uh, fifth house cusp is Aries. And here we have Jupiter conjunct Mercury. Oh boy, this person should be able to really talk. Uh, blue streak, like really great communicating. And it's in the fifth house, which is ruled by the sun. Fifth house is ruled by Leo, which is the sun. And that is, uh, wow, Jupiter is, it just makes everything bigger. So having Mercury in Aries and Jupiter in Aries also conjunct the, the Venus and the Uranus by sign. This is a lot of vibrato, a big personality. Uh, wow. And then they have sun in Taurus which is on the cusp, it's only three degrees Taurus. So it is trining that, well, pretty much, yeah. Well, not really. It's almost trining the Mercury, but not quite. But still in the fifth house, it's just making this person big, a big personality. And then Chiron, Chiron at five degrees Taurus and sun at three degrees Taurus. Something about lessons learned in childhood, maybe, or lessons with leading. Somehow this person had wounds with Leo things somewhere. There's something to be overcome with that fifth house Leo aspects, uh, because it's Chiron, which is the wounded healer. So Somehow healing, maybe. And children. Uh, what are Leo things? Leo things are, um, you know, leadership. Like fifth house is romance. It can be leader, but it's also performing and theater and creating. And um, uh, fun. How you have fun is the fifth house. Um so all of those things. And there's wounds to overcome with. Wounds. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. It could be in childhood, but it could also be with children. It has something to do with fifth house, fifth house aspects. This person has Taurus on the sixth house and no planets in the sixth house, but it would have given this person a very intense work ethic. They would be a very, very dedicated hard worker. Seventh house, they have North Node in the seventh house in Gemini and Moon at 29 degrees Gemini, both in the seventh house. So there's something about partners and partnerships and uh, legal aspects that this person somehow is connected or passionate about or it should be their direction. They're supposed to communicate the moon at 29 degrees, that's the that's um, the degree of sorrow. But also whenever you have any planets at zero or 29 degrees, they're very significant, very significant planets. And um, interesting. Uh, so something with the mother, maybe, maybe nurturing the mother or women, maybe nurturing women, uh, 
having to do with communications about women. Because Gemini is communications, and this person has North Node in the seventh house in Gemini. So something about communications with partners. Then we have Pluto in Cancer. Pluto in Cancer at 15 degrees in the eighth house. Pluto in Cancer has to do with women and mother. And Pluto in the eighth house, because the eighth house is ruled by Pluto. Uh, it's Scorpio. So having Pluto in Cancer in the eighth house would be something powerful with women, a uh, mother, mothering, mothering lots of people, some kind of mothering power and uh, legacy with that and secret things and all the things that Pluto rules, the occult, uh, psychic abilities, all of that. And the ninth house is ruled by Leo. And we have Neptune in the ninth house. And in this chart, we have Saturn and Neptune were retrograde at the time that this person was born. So, um, that can have some kind of influence on the person. And what it is sometimes referred to is that it will take on characteristics of the opposite sign. So this person has Saturn in Sagittarius at 18 degrees in the first house, but that would almost be like having Saturn in Gemini. Okay, so there would also be lessons with communication. That's a possibility. Learning, learning how to communicate, learning how to express ideas and also some technology. And then with this Neptune in Leo, um, Neptune in Leo would be the ability to create, masterfully create, okay, uh, but also having it be retrograde has something to has some uh, aspects to do with Aquarius, right? So the ability to masterful masterfully create an illusion regarding groups of people and humanitarian things, possibly. Uh, uh, how can you tell that these are in retrograde just by? this chart uh do you see here this has a little r next oh, to it oh okay okay and that means that those planets were retrograde when uh this person was born okay and just to go okay. over it briefly retrograde means what um when a planet is retrograde it is stationary all right so it it has a different um what's the word i'm looking dynamic than when it is direct, okay? So um, what some philosophy in astrology is, is that when you're born in your natal chart, if you have a retrograde, if a planet is retrograde or your north node or whatever is retrograde, when you're born, then look to the opposing sign 
for aspects in that situation. Okay. It's just a different, a different um, dynamic. Okay. It isn't good or bad. It's just a different dynamic. Okay. Okay. So 10th house is uh, Virgo. And this person has Virgo on the Midhaven, which would make this person a very savvy business person and communicator because uh, Virgo is ruled by Mercury, which is communications. Then 11th house cusp is Libra, which would make this person very um, fair-minded with groups of people and um, humanitarian aspects and also very likable in those aspects. And then 12th house is Scorpio and there aren't any planets in there either, but it would make this person a natural, um, you know, have natural like, like abilities, like psychic abilities, intuition, empathy, those kind of things. Am I even close? Um, I already knew putting this together that you were going to have a great time once we found out um, who this person <laughs> is. But oh, good. Um, when when you do find out, um, this is so spot on that um, I, I, I this is beyond my wildest hopes for how <laughs> spot on um, it could be. Um, wow okay yeah, very yeah this is um truly amazing okay good to know uh do you have any questions yes um and some of these you've already covered uh but just to go uh more into detail if you could um how would she react around groups of people uh, I think that around groups of people, she would be very gracious and lovely and, mm, I want to say Venusian, you know, because she has Venus, uh, Libra is ruled by Venus and that's on her 11th house. So it would make her very, very, uh, easy to like, if that makes any sense. So there's uh, no sense of shyness or um, introversion, uh, not liking being around groups of people. I don't think this person is shy at all. I don't think this person can be shy. It it doesn't seem... I mean, Sagittarius rising is like... That's like an explosion comes into the room. I mean, Leo rising is one thing. Right. When you have a fire sign rising, so Leo rising is going to make an entrance. Okay. Sagittarius rising might not make that entrance, but everybody's going to know that person is there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because they're going to either laugh really loud or they're going to tell some kind of joke that's going to make everybody laugh or something because Sagittarius is like fire in a, it's like lightning in a bottle. It's different than Leo or Aries because Leo energy is very leading, like it's it's like commanding, right? Mm -hmm. And Aries energy is very uh, fight the good fight, 
You know, mm-hmm. I will protect all of these people and I will fight for them and I am fighting for what is good. And Sagittarius has this thing that they want to they want everyone to be happy, right? Because they're ruled by Jupiter. So they also are kind of like Bacchus, you know, like they want the party to be happy and they want the people to be happy. And it doesn't matter what they really feel like on the inside. Sagittarius rising isn't going to show you that. All right. Sagittarius rising is going to show you a fun side. You know what I mean? Or a super cool side. Like they could be super cool. But I just have a feeling that this was a for this person is a force to be reckoned with. This person has way too many planets in Aries. I mean, this person is a fire. This person is on fire. (laughs) This person is fire. (laughs) And on the other side of that, uh, how would people see her? Honestly, this person is a lot, okay? So although people could love this person, you know, like totally, if this is an entertainer, people should have just loved to watch this person perform or do whatever they're doing, okay? Because they're just so much, right? Um... But it could be that this person is too much, right? Like, I would want to be friends with this person just to see what they do. Like, I would just want to be around them to see all of the things that happen because of this much fire and air and this energy, you know? Um, But I think that... I think that people still, I mean, this person has Libra on the 11th house. Normally when people have Libra on the 11th house, people love them. And they love the people. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how would she respond if uh, others were um, telling lies about her? Oh, I think she'd set that straight. <laughs> I don't think there would be a lot of discussion about that. You know, this person is a warrior. This person has four planets in Aries with sun in Taurus. If this person sat back and didn't do anything about it, I would be shocked. I cannot imagine that this person would not specifically set this straight in one way or another. Like, Maybe they're not forcing them to print a retraction, but literally, and almost like making a joke about it. Like, did you really think you would be able to say that about me? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I feel. Um, How would she feel about her mother? What role would her mother play in her life? She should feel very close to her mother. She has moon in the seventh house. Her mother should have been kind of like a partner for her. And she should be really, really dedicated to her. And almost like her mother is a partner or women are a partner. But I mean, um, also the moon rules the fourth house and she has Venus and... Um, 
Uranus there in Aries. So I would think that this person was very close to their mother. And the father. Um, For the father, we go to the son, which is in the fifth house. And it's in Taurus. So I would think that uh, maybe the father was uh, more, well, I don't know. I mean, the father could have been really super level-headed, you know, uh, could have been a doctor, could have been a scientist or something that required, um, you know, diligence and um, meticulous ability to organize data or things like that, you know, because she's got Virgo on the 10th house. Okay. 10th house is ruled by uh, Capricorn and Saturn, which is the father. All right. Um, so that's, I would think, I mean, she does have Saturn itself in Sagittarius, which could make the father uh, feral. <laughs> but I'm going to go with, I think the mother was, I think she was closer to her mother than her father. Okay. What would she look for in a romantic partner? Honestly, she's going to look for someone who is uh, kind of creative. Maybe someone who's calmer than her. Uh, maybe someone who helps ground her, you know, and a creative person. She has, she has Mars and Pisces, which would make her want kind of a creative, more watery man. I don't know if she got one, <laughs> but that's what she should kind of be wanting. Um, would she have a temper? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes, she would have a temper. She would have such a temper. I wouldn't want to be on the uh, on the bad side of this temper. And uh, what kind of mother would she be? You know, I would think that she would be a really good mom. Um, she has... North node conjunct moon by sign. It is in Gemini, which would mean that she would want her children to be educated and uh, uh, maybe it could be kind of unconventional. But I think that she would be a really good mom. She has Mars in the third house, which is her passion. Right. And then she has Venus in the fourth house, which is ruled by the moon, which is mother. Right. So I think that she would interestingly have um, kind of maybe a um, bohemian or uh, unique household, but still. I don't know how to describe how you could be bohemian and sophisticated at the same time, but because you have Uranus there, right, that would make it kind of bohemian. And then you have Venus in Aries, which would make it kind of sophisticated, if that makes any sense, because uh -huh. I have no idea who I'm talking about. Uh -huh. Would she be athletic? 
She should be athletic. Yes, she has four planets in Aries. She should be athletic. But she has Sagittarius rising. And sometimes Sagittarius rising can enjoy uh, all the things that life has to offer a little bit. So she could be, maybe in her later years, she could have been a little bit heavier. It's possible, but she does have a lot of Aries. So I would think that she would be kind of athletic. Uh, so uh, you mentioned uh, right at the top that uh, if she wasn't in show business, you wouldn't know what she would be doing. Uh, so what do you think she would be doing in show business? Because there's a lot of different careers there. Well, I think she would be performing. Uh, I think that she has a great ability to perform, but she has that son. I, I would like, I would almost say like she started as a performer and then she could continue on like directing and producing and doing stuff like that because um, she has such a heavy fifth house you know, mm-hmm. and she has Mars and Pisces, which is like, um, very like she could focus on her creativity, and she has Neptune and Leo. So, I mean, she has the ability to be an excellent creator of illusions, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Neptune is normally, uh. Neptune represents film. So this person has Neptune in Leo. So this person could have been a filmmaker. Or some somehow creating an illusion. Maybe theater. Mm-hmm. Something Leo-ish. But also humanitarian. Because if we go with that retrograde aspect, it could bring up those aspects of Aquarius. Uh, is there any other uh, things that you can point out about the chart that you haven't talked about already? Also, all of this Aries, was it's making her a natural warrior, okay? It's making her naturally want to fight for causes, you know? So um, you said, what else would she be? She could be fighting for causes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this time, are you ready for the uh, summary of uh, our findings? Yes. So uh, the very first thing that you said was that this person should be in show business. Yeah. Uh, that they would come across as uh, loud, as opinionated, confident, <laughs> independent, that they would have mm. great hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they might have uh, a longer body, uh, maybe some horse-like features, an oval face mm-hmm. would be very mm-hmm. strong. Uh, they would appear more mature than they are, but would also be very wild. Uh, they would be very responsible with money and have a good deal of money. Uh, she would be a very effective communicator, a passionate communicator. Uh, might live in a fancy house. Uh, There is a love of home, of community, and of country. And she has a futuristic, humanitarian view of her home and country. 
uh, would be lightning quick when pursuing things that she loves. Really loves groups of people and humanitarian things and future technology. Uh, she could really talk, talk a blue streak, uh, would have a lot of vibrato, uh, have a big personality. There are lessons learned in her childhood and wounds to overcome with leadership, uh, performance, entertainment, and childhood. Uh, there is uh, an intense work ethic. She would be a hard worker. Uh, she would be uh, passionate about partnerships and possibly legal things. Uh, she would have a nurturing mother uh, and uh, would be nurturing to women, uh, possibly through her communications. Uh, she uh, is powerful with women and uh, would be mothering to tons of people. There are lessons with communications, uh, an ability to masterfully create. Uh, she would masterfully create uh, with uh, humanitarian things. Uh, she would be a savvy business person and communicator. Uh, Fair-minded with groups of people. Very likable. Uh, there is a natural psychic ability or intuition about her. Uh, she would be gracious and lovely around groups of people and would be easygoing with people. She is not shy. Uh, everyone will know when she is in the room. She would have a big laugh. Uh, she would want everyone to be happy, and, but she would still be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, this person is fire. This person is a lot. Uh, pe <laughs> people adored her. Possibly, uh, she has the possibility to be too much. Uh, she uh, is not someone that you would uh, want to mess around with. Uh, people would want to be around her, and people love her, uh, and she loves them. Uh, if people, uh, if someone would uh, tell a lie or an untruth about her, she would make sure to set the record straight. Uh, she would be very close to her mother. A uh, mother is her partner. Uh, the father uh, could be level-headed, possibly a doctor or a scientist, um, something that required uh, meticulous attention to detail. Uh, but she would be closer to the mother than to the father. Uh, in a romantic partner, she'd be looking for someone who's creative, but uh, would be a grounding force in her life. Uh, she would have a fiery temper. Uh, she would be a good mom. Uh, she would want her children to be educated. Uh, she might be an unconventional mom. Uh, she would have a bohemian and unique household, but still a sophisticated household. Uh, she would be athletic. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe she would get a little heavier in her later years. Uh, she uh, would be a natural performer. Uh, and she might start out as a performer, but then move on to uh, more of a director or producer role. Uh, she is an excellent creator of illusions and could have been a filmmaker. Uh, but there, she is also very humanitarian. Uh, she is a natural warrior and someone who fights for causes. Is there anything that I left out? No, I think that's it. <laughs> Would you like to know whose chart you've been looking at? Yes. This is the astrological birth chart of a woman who would be uh, the 
United States uh, ambassador to the United Nations, uh, a woman who would be the first female ambassador to Ghana, the first and only female ambassador to Czechoslovakia. And from 1934 to 1939, she was the biggest star in the world. <gasps> this is the chart of Shirley Temple. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, this makes a lot of sense. So much sense. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when you think about it, right, she's a child star, that Chiron, you know, having to deal with that whole Chiron thing in the fifth house. And if Saturn retrograde is the opposite, right, then it puts that Gemini, that child, that childlike in the first house. Oh, I'm just going around the chart, looking at everything going, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, very interesting. But I didn't know that Shirley Temple's mom, I thought Shirley Temple's mom was kind of like, a super duper like show business mom. But I guess you're going to tell us about that. But this is lovely. I love Shirley Temple. I love her. Uh, so uh, Shirley Temple Black uh, was born uh, April 23rd, 1928 in Santa Monica Hospital. Uh, she was born to uh, Gertrude and George Temple. She was the uh, third child that they had together, uh, and she was the first girl. Uh, and Gertrude had been praying and hoping that she would have a girl and was overjoyed uh, when young Shirley was born and made sure that she had all of the dresses and all of the things that a girl could possibly want. Um, at a very early age, uh, Gertrude discovered that uh, little Shirley had a lot of energy. And uh, <laughs> instead of having that energy going to uh, possibly tearing the house down, uh, she decided to <laughs> capitalize on that energy and send her to dancing school. Uh, mm -hmm. So she went to uh, Meglin's Dance School at the age of two and a half. Mm -hmm. um, that was in 1931. The next year, 1932... Uh, there was a casting director uh, that came from Educational Pictures, and uh, young Shirley remembered him as not being a very attractive man um, and possibly <laughs> uh, being a, a little bit cruel. And uh, so when uh, the casting director asked to have all of the little kids uh, line up uh, to do a uh, dance move, uh, Shirley uh, hid underneath the piano. <laughs> uh, and uh, when the casting director was picking out which uh, of the little tykes he would uh, take to the studio, uh, he pointed to the one under the piano as one that uh, <gasps> no! he would uh, have to have. <laughs> uh, from there, uh, she began uh, her film career at just the age of three. Um, her first pictures were uh, called Baby... Uh, well, they, they were these uh, sort of melodramas. And so the first one was called Baby Burlesque. Um, and they were making or, or they were mocking uh, the big films of the time by uh, having little 
toddlers perform the roles. So uh, her first one is a melodrama. I think it's based off of a Mae West picture uh, where uh, young Shirley Temple is playing uh, this uh, uh, overworked uh, uh, star in a theater uh, who has all of these mm-hmm. men clamoring for her attention. And oh, no. uh, it is well, little, but they're all, they're all played by little children. The, Good. That's uh, good. So uh, it's 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 hysterical uh, to have these <laughs> lines that are supposed to be given by a, a Garbo or Dietrich come out of the mouth of a three-year-old. Um, <laughs> And uh, so she started uh, doing these little short pictures. And then uh, in 1933, she got a deal with Fox Studios uh, where they would offer her $150 a week, uh, which is the equivalent of thousands of dollars today. And this is in the middle of the Great Depression. Um, and she began starring in musical comedies. Uh, uh, so uh, most of these would have uh, the title of uh, or include the word little in them. The little colonel, the littlest rebel, <laughs> little princess. Um, and a lot of these followed the uh, same formula. Uh, she often would play an orphan. Uh, so uh, either have no parents or only have one parent. And uh, it was her job to heal uh, the plight of uh, the older people in her world, whether that be a, uh, a parent or uh, young sweethearts that have had a rift or uh, maybe some uh cold hardened criminal she would soften his heart and do so with song and dance in 90 minutes Mm -hmm. Um, the co-stars of these films included Gary Cooper Randolph Scott, Cesar Romero Buddy Ebsen, Cary Grant Carol Lombard um, the biggest names in Hollywood Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, pretty quickly uh, they would discover that she was the biggest name in Hollywood (laughs) Um, one of her absolutely favorite uh, co-stars was Bill Bojangles Robinson Uh, this was Mm -hmm. an African American man who was uh, the best uh, dancer of the time and uh, mm-hmm. so Shirley Temple uh, would I believe I think it was four pictures that they did together and um, uh, just uh, uh, absolutely uh, captivating when you see them tap dancing together on stage to see the talent of both of these people um, mm-hmm. Being an African-American man and Shirley Temple being a a white girl, uh, there was a bit of controversy uh, in the United States and especially in the U.S. South. Any time that these pictures were shown, they had to be edited uh, so that uh, Shirley Temple could not actually be touching uh, Bill Robinson uh, when they were holding hands uh, doing uh, these performances. Also, uh, uh, when they went on promotional uh, tours, um, this is the time of segregation. So Shirley Temple, there's one story where uh, they're in Palm Springs and they're at one of the luxurious resorts in Palm Springs. And um, uh, uh, she asks, uh, she always called him uh, Uncle Bill. Um, uh, uh, Where are you staying? Which uh, uh, cabin are you staying in? And he says that he has to stay in the garage or the apartment above the garage. Wow. And uh, she didn't understand. She she couldn't comprehend yeah. why. Um, uh, and that had a profound impact on, on her uh, growing up, on, yes. on the mistreatment of someone who was uh, a truly a gifted, talented person. Mm-hmm. Um. 
from 1935 to 1939, Shirley Temple was the number one box office draw in the world. Everyone yes. in the world knew her name. Um, yes. And she was uh, made uh, her, her next contract with Fox. She got negotiated up to a thousand dollars a week. That's again in 1930s money. Uh, and then she would mm-hmm. be given fifteen thousand uh, for any picture that was completed. Um, her mm-hmm. mother during this time uh, was serving as her hairdresser and as her uh, guardian. And so she also got a salary of two hundred and fifty dollars a week. Mm-hmm. Um but the parents had no control over uh, the likeness of Shirley Temple. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, her likeness was being put on cereal boxes and on toys and on dolls and on all of these different things. But none of that money was coming back to Shirley Temple. Mm-hmm. Um they uh, all together, uh, she would have uh, by the time she retired from the film business, she would have a uh, three point four million dollars that she had made. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just the stuff that she was actually given. That's not including the millions and millions of 1930s dollars that were made off of her likeness that she never even saw. In 1935, she was uh, the first child ever awarded an Oscar. Uh, She was Mm. awarded a miniature version of an Oscar. Mm -hmm. And uh, they uh, filmed the ceremony where she was given the Oscar, and she was very thankful uh, to the Mm -hmm. Academy for getting it. And then she immediately turns to her mother and says, can we go home now? (laughs) (laughs) Um, she, uh, would continue, uh, working for Fox, uh, but the Fox studio was falling on hard times, uh, was, um, uh, going uh, nearly on the brink of bankruptcy. And one of the things that they did to, uh, try and get out of it was they merged with another studio, 20th Century Studios, to become 20th Century Fox. Shirley mm-hmm. Temple is single-handedly responsible for the, uh, 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 say the the being the savior of 20th Century Fox and getting them out of bankruptcy because of mm-hmm. uh, the films uh, that she was making, and uh, she uh, became as we already said an internationally known star. Um, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, the president of the time, said how wonderful it is that for just 15 cents the people of America can see the smiling face of a baby and forget mm-hmm. all of its troubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, she uh, would be uh, s- uh, the when uh, di- dignitaries and diplomats would come and visit the United States from all over the world. They would want to go to Los Angeles to meet Shirley Temple. Uh, wow. One of uh, the people that she uh, got to meet was uh, the first lady, Eleanor Roosevelt. And uh, there was a uh, a barbecue or a grill uh, that was uh, uh, set up. And uh, the first lady was cooking uh, frankfurters and, and hamburgers. And uh, young Shirley Temple was a bit of a tomboy. Um, uh, she, uh, any time that she wasn't on set, uh, in her, uh, ruffles, uh, she would take it off and, and wear jeans and t-shirt and climb trees and, uh, swim through ponds. And, and she loved her slingshot. And, uh, one of these, uh, during this cookout, uh, the first lady was, uh, bending over to take a, uh, a look <gasps> at the, uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and Shirley just saw the perfect target and uh, she just couldn't help herself. And so from uh, being concealed uh, from a tree branch, uh, she just hit the first lady square on the bum. 
Oh, no. And uh, the Secret Service didn't know what was going on, where it was coming from. <laughs> um, the only other person who saw was uh, Shirley Temple's mother, who made sure mm. that Shirley Temple got an injury in the same place after the oh, cookout. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, when all of these dignitaries would come uh, to Hollywood to meet uh, Shirley Temple, uh, she had a uh, a tutor uh, named uh, Francis Clamped, and uh, Shirley Temple liked to call her Clammy Clamped, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, she would uh, have Shirley Temple do homework for a week before this person would come to learn all about the geography and the history and the exports uh, of the country that this person was Ooh. coming from to visit her. Um, this was the perfect training for a young diplomat uh, that at the age of six, seven, eight, she is learning about all the countries of the world and meeting their leaders. Mm -hmm. um, she would later on go on in, in the seventh grade to attend uh, uh, middle school and high school through a, a private school instead of having a tutor. Uh, her first year uh, in uh, grade school, uh, she was fascinated uh, by pimples uh, because movie stars don't get pimples. Uh, so she would just <laughs> look at the faces of these other children and be fascinated uh, that oh, they got no. these things. Oh, no. Uh uh, before Shirley Temple actually learned how to read, uh, she uh, would uh, have the lines read to her by her mother at night. Uh, so uh, her mother would meticulously go over her hair and put two fingers around uh, each little band of hair and put a bobby pin in to get her uh, signature ringlets. And as she was going through her hair, she would read the script to Shirley, and Shirley would memorize the entire script, not just her mm -hmm. lines, but everyone's line uh, so mm -hmm. when uh, she is on uh, set with all of these uh, movie stars and the movie stars uh, say their line a different way or they uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, forget their line altogether she would uh, make sure to remind them as to what their line actually <laughs> was uh, and uh, the, there's a story of this happening when she was in a movie with Lionel Barrymore uh, who oh if you don't know is uh, uh, Mr. Potter in uh, It's a Wonderful Life which I I can just oh imagine uh, how that uh, uh, went down with a uh, crotchety Barrymore getting corrected on his line readings from a mm -hmm. precocious little girl. Um, being the number one star in the world, when uh, a new picture was going to be made by uh, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, um, uh, The Wizard of Oz in 1939, uh, they uh, eagerly wanted uh, Shirley Temple to uh, be Dorothy. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, this is the time of the studio system where actors are not free agents. Uh, so, uh, mm -hmm. they all belong to a studio and she belonged mm -hmm. to 20th Century Fox. So they were going to make this deal where 20th Century Fox would loan, uh, Shirley Temple to MGM and MGM would loan two stars over, but it didn't end up happening. And so, um, Judy Garland ended up becoming, uh, Dorothy in, uh, the Wizard of Oz. And mm -hmm. it's possible that uh, this was a saving grace for Shirley Temple. Um, she mm -hmm. would have a relationship with uh, MGM that, uh, in 1941, where uh, Fox did loan her uh, to MGM. Uh, and during the pre-production stage uh, of this film, um, she went to uh, visit uh, the producer of the film, a man named Arthur Freed. 
uh, her mother uh, was uh, meeting with the studio head, uh, Louis B. Mayer. Um, while she was in uh, the room with Arthur Freed, uh, Freed uh, exposed himself uh, to Shirley oh my Temple. Uh, goodness. Shirley Temple had never seen any other person except herself uh, naked before. Uh, and so uh, she started uproariously laughing. Um, oh, no. laughing to the point that tears were streaming down her cheeks, which caused such embarrassment by Freed that he uh, immediately cast her out of the room um, and said that she would uh, never uh, work for him again. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, she was cast out into the hallway around the same time that uh, Gertrude, uh, Shirley Temple's mother, was cast out into the hallway by uh, Louis B. Mayer. Uh, Mayer had not exposed himself, but had made a pass at um, wow. uh, uh, at Shirley Temple's <laughs> mom. Uh, they uh, had a rather silent car ride uh, back home and uh, then decided that they didn't like MGM too much. And they liked no. uh, working for Fox much better. Uh, <laughs> there uh, would have to be a film made through MGM, and they did that uh, later on. Um, but after that one picture deal, uh, she never worked uh, for MGM. Uh, she uh, during the uh, World War Two years, uh, she got a private contract with David Selznick, who was uh, a sort of a, a, a autonomous uh, producer at this time, not really belonging to any one studio, but would get his pictures uh, uh, distributed through other studios. Uh, and at this time, um, she started going through puberty, and uh, so uh, the American people weren't really ready for her to do so, um, but they really had no say in it. Um, and she started to become a, a young teenager and started making films talking about being a young teenager and being, um, you know, n- not not the sweetheart anymore, um, being a, a young woman in her own right. Um, one of the last pictures that she ended up uh, making during this time was Ford Apache, uh, which was directed by John Ford. It has John Wayne, Henry Fonda in it, and it has her husband, uh, John Agar. Uh, they met when she was 15 years old and uh, married two years later when she was 17. Wow. Um, uh, they had a daughter uh, when she was uh, 20 years old and then got divorced by the time she was 21. Oh, no. Um, This uh, uh, was not a time where people were very public about divorces. It was still stigmatized um, in uh, all around the country and kind of played into um, a a downfall in returns for uh, uh, the movies that she was making. Also, just the fact that she wasn't uh, the uh, seven-year-old precocious little girl anymore. She was now a 21-year-old woman. Um, mm-hmm. All of these things kind of came together uh, for her to think that it, it's time for her to retire and, and to leave show business altogether. Uh, she had made uh, $3,400,000. Uh, that was all the money that was uh, actually given to her by the studio. Uh, so she went uh, to her father and her father's business partner uh, to uh, see about how she can start using the trust to go to college or whatnot. And um, mm-hmm. they said that uh, women shouldn't uh, be worried about finances. Um, oh, and uh, then after a couple more of these uh, times of being dismissed, uh, they had a long three-hour discussion where uh, she found out that there were only $44,000 left of <gasps> that $3.4 million. 
Oh, no. Um, she uh, really wasn't all that angry at her father. She was much more angry at the uh, business partner who was uh, making all these decisions. Her uh, father was uh, a bank clerk, but uh, had never gone past the seventh grade. So how, how could he really know what he was doing with all of this money? Um, and she just loved mm. her father so much. Um uh, she would later go on to say that uh, she was just grateful to get anything for uh, the privilege of, of being in show business and being the star. And that uh, if she had to, she would have paid the studio uh, to work for them. And, well, that's kind of what she ended up doing. Wow. Um, in 1950, uh, she uh, met uh, a young uh, World War II uh, veteran, a, a Silver Star recipient named Charles Black. Uh, Black was uh, the uh, assistant to the president of the Hawaiian Pineapple Company and the son of an oil executive. Um, they met mm-hmm. in January of 1950 and were married by December of 1950. Um, wow. they, uh, the, one of the things that struck her the most is that, uh, Black had never seen a Shirley Temple movie. Oh my God. Uh, when Black first met her, she thought she was a secretary or he thought she was a secretary, oh. um, and, uh, had no idea the, the huge star, uh, that, uh, was, was very romantically interested in him. <laughs> um, they had two more children. Uh, And then uh, during the late 50s and early 60s, Shirley Temple came back to uh, show business, did a television show for a number of years, but then left again, continued uh, being a a mother and and wife. Um, And then uh, when all the children uh, were uh, reared and off having lives of their own, uh, she decided that uh, she... uh, Still, there was still another chapter to live in her life, and uh, she uh, began a career in the diplomatic service. Uh, in 1967, uh, she ran for Congress uh, as a uh, Republican uh, in the primary uh, in a uh, Northern California district. Uh, she lost that race, but it really uh, put her on the map in uh, Republican circles in California. Uh, in 1969, a, a California Republican uh, was elected president, uh, Richard Nixon. And uh, in Washington, D.C., there is a party where uh, Henry Kissinger, uh, the Secretary of State, I was there and uh, Henry Kissinger talks about how uh, he had watched every single one of Shirley Mm -hmm. Temple's movies uh, when he was growing up in Germany and uh, that all of the movies had been dubbed in German. Uh, So when he first met Shirley Temple, he said, I was surprised to see that she spoke English. <laughs> uh, he was also surprised to see how much she knew about the world. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, she started talking about uh, the conflicts going on in Southwest Africa. And that really put an idea in Kissinger's head of uh, getting her to be uh, in the diplomatic corps. And in September mm-hmm. of 1969, President Nixon appointed Shirley Temple Black to be uh, the U.S. representative to the United Nations. Uh, mm-hmm. Then in 1974, President Ford made her uh, the uh, ambassador to Ghana, uh, and she stayed there until 1976, where Ford made her the first female chief of protocol uh, for the White House. Uh, in that role, she would be responsible for all uh, informing the president as to all the diplomatic protocols involved uh, with foreign dignitaries visiting the White House and visiting the president. 
Uh, she would be mm-hmm. responsible for developing the itinerary and agendas for all uh, foreign ambassadors coming to Washington, D.C. Uh, for state visits. Wow. She would be responsible for organizing treaty signings. Um, and uh, when Ford was uh, not reelected in 1976, uh, she was responsible for the transition uh, and uh, all the things going into the inauguration of Jimmy Carter in 1977. Mm. Um, she uh, did not have any uh, appointed position uh, from uh, 1977 to 1989. She did uh, different things uh, for uh, diplomacy and for uh, different UN organizations. Uh, she also started to see that her story was being uh, published um, by several different uh, biographers, and they were getting it wrong. Um, mm-hmm. In uh, one biography, uh, she said there were at least 526 factual errors. Oh, my God. So throughout uh, the (laughs) 1980s, uh, she worked on her biography uh, of uh, her early life, and uh, she published it in 1988, uh, the book Child Star, uh, where uh, Mm -hmm. she set the record straight as to uh, what uh, her life was like uh, in the first uh, 21 years of her life. Um, And uh, this became a a bestseller. It was uh, she went on all the talk show circuits promoting this book. Um, And around the same time, a new president was elected, uh, George Bush Sr. And in 1989, George Bush uh, made uh, Shirley Temple Black the first and only female ambassador to Czechoslovakia. Mm. Um, She had a unique uh, connection to Czechoslovakia. Uh, She was always a proponent of democracy and of uh, uh, anti-communism. And in 1968, she had been present at the uprising in Czechoslovakia. Uh, She uh, actually saw the Soviet crackdown on freedom fighters firsthand. Uh, She... uh, Uh, climbed up to the roof of a hotel that she was staying at and actually saw Soviet soldiers um, shoot and kill an unarmed woman during Mm. uh, Mm. the conflict. And this had a uh, another profound impact, something that she would never forget for the rest of her mm-hmm. life. Um, and then in 1989, uh, she uh, saw uh, the the next uh, uprising, what is now known as the Velvet mm-hmm. Revolution, because nearly no one was actually hurt during it, but uh, the Czechoslovakians were mm-hmm. made free, and uh, she was the ambassador to the country when that was happening. Uh, she took uh, such a firsthand role in uh, uh, the uh, diplomat the diplomatic um, uh, uh, things that were going on uh, during this revolution, that when uh, the new leader, uh, Havel, uh, was um, uh, elected, uh, she personally escorted him to Washington, D.C., which is not something that most ambassadors Mm -hmm. usually do. Um, After uh, uh, Clinton was elected, uh, Shirley Temple Black uh, sort of retired from um, uh, public service. Uh, she would still serve on committees and things, but no longer have an appointed role in any diplomatic affairs. Um, and uh, she would go on to uh, uh, win several uh, awards, lifetime recognitions and things. And uh, her husband would pass away in 2005, and then uh, she passed away in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, one of the greatest quotes that could be uh, said uh, of uh, Young or or of the entire life of Shirley Temple uh, was said by uh, President uh, Franklin Roosevelt, where he said, as long as we've got Shirley Temple, we'll be all right. 
Um, Shirley Temple uh, is a truly remarkable person, a woman American. Um, I think that uh, even if she had just uh, uh, gone into uh, private life at the end of her um, show business career, she would have already been remembered for uh, the uh, happiness that she delivered to uh, young people and people young mm-hmm. of heart all over the world. Uh, making her films uh, during the Great Depression and uh, getting us through uh, such a horrible mm-hmm. time um, in uh, uh, the history of the world. Um, but then she went on to do even more remarkable things as a diplomat. Uh, and at one time she was asked if, um, having been Shirley Temple, uh, does that get in the way of her uh, diplomatic missions? Is she not taken uh, as seriously because of what she did mm-hmm. as a child? And uh, she said no, that it helps a great deal because wherever I go, people see me and they have a <laughs> smile on their face because they remember uh, the happiness that I once gave them when I was just a little girl. And that's the best thing that I could do is, uh, for representing America to all these people all over the oh, world. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, a, a truly uh, a remarkable uh, person. And uh, I think that this chart absolutely bears <laughs> out uh, everything that she I was. agree. I, uh, I knew this had to be someone who was extremely dynamic. And uh, yes, I think honestly, for what I know about uh, Shirley Temple Black, um, I mean, I'm so familiar with all of the films that this makes really perfect sense regarding a child star. You know what I mean? But then knowing uh, that she was such a wonderful diplomat and uh, her nature and how, you know, she was partners with her mom, you know, that's so Mm -hmm. crazy that it's right there in the seventh house, you know, very interesting. And, uh, ah, such a love. I love Shirley Temple movies. Uh, is there uh, anything else that uh, makes more sense now that you know Well, it all is? makes more sense now that I know who it is. It, it really is very clear, you know, that uh, that it was someone who was very, you know, dynamic and 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 uh, driven and just an amazing person. Um I don't feel that she was as, I guess, angry as I thought she might have been. <laughs> but I think that the instance where she talks about uh, shooting, was it Mrs. Roosevelt? <laughs> In the bomb. That's very satirizing. I'm just going to say, <laughs> you know, just the thought that you would even do that. I find that hilarious. So, uh, no, mm-hmm. but. Uh, who doesn't love Shirley Temple? She's amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. if you don't know who Shirley Temple is and her films, then you really need to just pick a night. And there are a lot of films, so you can't watch them all in one night. But I think my favorite is The Little Princess. I love the scene where, you know, she's been sent to the attic and it's cold and she wakes up and she has all these wonderful comforts and food and everything. And it always makes me cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Heidi when when they take the the grandfather mm-hmm. away and 
Oh, that just, it gets at your heart oh, every time. All of them. They're just wonderful. And I'm really glad she didn't do The Wizard of Oz, and I'm very put out by anybody who does anything like that with children. And I feel that, ugh, I don't I don't want to get started on it, but I have a lot of anger there. Uh, well, I think on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, this is definitely one that is uh, right <laughs> on the money. This is uh, 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 everything, a lot of what um, Shirley Temple was and, and would become um, one of the biggest stars. All of that is set up in the stars uh, when she was born. Um uh, I, I just going through as you were reading, as you were doing your reading, and when you got to the part of she would have really good hair. It's like yeah, yeah. Everyone would remember uh, her, her her locks, and yeah, just uh, a, a truly uh, remarkable person. And uh, I think this chart bears that oh, out yeah, very well. Absolutely, and uh, I I really enjoyed reading this chart. I love a chart that has this much uh, vibrato and. Oomph! There's a lot of oomph here. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that concludes uh, this episode of History in Retrograde. We'd like to uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you would like to uh, support uh, the show, uh, we have a number of ways of doing that. We have all the links to our social media uh, pages uh, posted in uh, the description of the show. Um, we also have an email, uh, historyandretrograde at gmail.com. Please reach out. Uh, let us know uh, what you like about the show um, and uh, what uh, sorts of mystery history guests you would uh, suggest uh, for the future. And uh, if uh, you uh, feel extra support of the of the show we have a link to our uh, paypal account uh where uh any little donation would help us in producing a better quality show and producing um, uh, shows uh, in the future. And uh, we also have a link there. If you want to be your very own mystery history guest, uh, then uh, you can contact uh, Chandler's mm -hmm. mom at historyandretrograde.com, and uh, she would be happy to uh, go over the details of how you can have a reading of your birth chart or a uh, sinistry chart with that special mm -hmm. someone or uh, anything else. <laughs> um, mom, is there anything yes, like I add? just want to say thank you so much for being there. All of you, we love you all. We're so happy that you listened to the show. And uh, if you have emailed me to get uh, your chart done and I haven't gotten back with you yet, just bear with me. I'm, I'm getting to everyone as quickly as I can. And I greatly appreciate all of your interest and support. And um, uh, look forward to the next show, Chandler. You're really picking some wonderful subjects. I, I just love what you do. Thank you. I love what you do. Uh, so uh, that uh, reaches the end of the show. Uh, so as always in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything is going to be just fine. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.